Welcome to another episode of How to Read the Bible. I'm your host, Nate Claiborne, here today with Josh Kessler. How are we doing, Josh? Doing good. Doing good. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Um, these prophetic books, I think we're going to be in them for a while. So yep. it's, it's good to be... Um, All of 2021. That's right. It's good to be spending some time on it. And uh, wanted to say thanks to you, too, for for hosting and all the work that you put into it and well yeah. I, I appreciate that yeah. I um yeah listeners don't know this is actually our second take we're just gonna be a little transparent and <laughs> say right. we've already recorded this uh, podcast once and it went pretty good yeah but I think this second time might be even better there's a little technical difficulty and so now we're on round two of talking through Jeremiah yeah yep it can only get better right well, his, fa- his fam- famous last words. Famous maybe. last words. Famous last That's words. That's true. All right. Yep. We'll right. just stick to the script. The uh, the script. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Listeners at home, we do have a script. We have a script. Um, so speaking of scripts, mm-hmm. uh, as we're reading the book of Jeremiah, it's we're maybe having a little bit of deja vu as we think back to Isaiah. There's things that are thematically similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we'll maybe what we'll do here is we'll talk about things that are just similar because it's a prophet. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the distinctives of Jeremiah. What's what's the new things, perspectives that he brings to the table. So yeah. as we're just talking about prophets, what, what do we have in Jeremiah that's just kind of standard prophetic fare? Yeah, standard uh, prophetic fare is, would be um, you have his calling in chapter one. Um, although we don't get that in all of the prophets, we do get it in a good number of yeah. them. I think we have, we have um, it in Isaiah and Ezekiel, but yeah. I don't know that we have it in each individual minor prophet's account. Right, right. So these major prophetic books, the the ones that have lengthy chapters here, um, we get his call. Um, the things that are common are, are judgment language. In fact, Jeremiah is really heavy on the judgment language, um, but I think that's because he's also living through the period of judgment and exile that's coming. And so, up until the very last moment, uh, the po- the last possible moment, he is proclaiming this judgment that's coming in order to draw Israel into repentance and say, you still have an opportunity to repent. You still have an opportunity. Um, so, there's a lot of heavy judgment language, but it's not just for Israel. It's also for the, the other nations as well. So, it's not as if um, the surrounding nations and all of their their idolatry and their pagan idol worship are, are just going to get off scot-free kind of thing. So um, the judgment language is common, but then there's also this this language of hope in chapters 30 through 33, and we get the new covenant um, that God is, in, is going to, in fact, uh, continue to remain faithful to his promises that he's made to Abraham um, and to David, that he is going to, instead of... Uh, leaving his law on tablets of stone as he did with um, Moses, write them on our hearts so that we can actually obey from our hearts. And maybe we'll get into a little bit more of how that's the actual problem mm-hmm. um, as we look at the story of Israel and especially as it pertains to the judgment. But the judgment language, the the hope and the the, the remnant uh, language is, is uh, common. Yeah. Um, to, to Jeremiah as it is with some of the other prophets. Yeah. So. And uh, maybe as I'm thinking about it, because this again is our second time through this, I, I'm remembering uh, we should maybe note the judgment language is not limited to Israel. It's also right. judgments to the nations. That was a big feature of Isaiah. There was a whole mm-hmm. section there of judgments on Edom, judgments mm-hmm. on Babylon, judgments on Egypt. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay, well, so I guess everyone gets judgment 
Um, but for Israel, you made this point that it was, um, these are prophecies Israel is hearing. It's not as if mm-hmm. Egypt is hearing, oh yeah, Jeremiah says we're doomed. Yes. Uh, may, I mean, maybe through the grapevine, certainly, but yeah. realistically, it's it's Israel being reminded that not every these other nations may be a tool of God's judgment towards them, but they're mm-hmm. not off the hook for their atrocities right. either. Right, and that's both meant to reinforce the promises made to Abraham and that whoever harms you, like, they will be judged, mm-hmm. but also to to um, remain consistent with his character and that he's um, his judgment is coming on Israel for breaking the covenant, but evil in general, right? Uh, sin in the world in general still has to be dealt with, and that's not um, on, you know, it's also being found in the nation surrounding Israel. So, yeah. um, uh, but that the message is to Israel, not to those other nations, is a very interesting. Yeah, it's uh, probably distinctive. I would, I would, as I'm thinking about it too, we should probably uh, encourage listeners, readers, as you're reading these prophecies of judgment. It's worth noting there's a key difference. It's not just judgment across the board. Israel's being judged because they're failing, failing to keep the covenant. Right, but it's not as if Egypt is failing to keep the Mosaic Covenant, and so God's going to judge them. So exactly. the, the basis on which the nations get judged tends to be um, failing to honor the sanctity of life, failing right. in in very kind of generalistic. This nation is defacing the image of God and other people in the way that they treat. Absolutely, the underprivileged, the way they enslaving other nations, enslaving other nations, being barbaric in violence and warfare. Mm -hmm. But it's not you're not keeping the Ten Commandments because God didn't make that arrangement with them. Yeah, that's a good point. So you'll you'll notice it's kind of a as you're it's going to feel like deja vu reading judgment chapters all over again. But it's worth noting they're being judged for one set of reasons. Israel's being judged for a different one, which um, something we Mm -hmm. could talk about is prophets in general kind of like covenant lawyers. So yes. you know, we talked about this a little bit. So what, what do we mean when we say Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, they're like covenant lawyers. They're coming in to do something specific. Right, right. So we're when we're thinking about uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, even Ezekiel as covenant lawyers, these, these guys who are um, being called by God to call the people back to repentance, but it's based in the Mosaic covenant and the Mosaic law. So when God handed down the covenant to Moses, he gave it to them and he said, here are the covenant blessings uh, if you obey. And he said, and also here are the covenant curses if you disobey. And so the prophets, because the people continue to break the covenant, are calling people back to the Mosaic covenant and saying, remember, this is coming if you disobey. This is what's going to happen. And so they're calling the people back to God's law to say, if you continue in this behavior, if you continue in your sin and your idolatry, the covenant curses are coming. But if you obey God, if you do well in the land, if you take care of the widow and the orphan, God is going to bless you in the land and you will flourish and you will be a light to the nations. Um, and so the, it should be no surprise really to Israel as God sends Isaiah, as he sends Jeremiah, when they continue to call people back to the covenant that these curses, that judgment is coming. 
And so uh, that's what we mean when we say God's covenant lawyers. They're 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 calling people back to the Mosaic covenant and the and the law and the agreement that God made with His people um, in order to lead them to repentance and in order to make sense of why judgment is coming. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's good. So that kind of mm-hmm. gives us a this is what prophets are doing in general. This is kind of what's similar with Jeremiah compared mm-hmm. to Isaiah or Ezekiel or some of the minor prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, so then let's look at what's what's some of the distinctives. I think we in our original recording of this we ended up talking about three things that mm-hmm. are distinctive to Jeremiah. So yeah, um, we start with the new covenant. I think we yeah that, totally. that's kind of the big thing of it's not just that. Uh, there's going to be restoration, but there's going to be a structure to this restoration. Yes. Um, so I think it'd be great if we just started by by reading the, the New Covenant section. So we're in Jeremiah 31, and we'll start in verse 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So we're getting Jeremiah in the new covenant is getting at the root of the problem. The root of the problem with Israel, that, and that is this, that they cannot obey God's law from their hearts, right? They don't have the ability. Uh, the law being written on tablets of stone, uh, as we find out in the New Testament, really only serves, it serves, well, it serves a few purposes, but one as a guide, right, to, um, that's supposed to lead us to Jesus and saying that we we can't do these things on our own, right? And as, as a mark of God's character to say, this is who God is, he's holy, um, and it's a reflection of his character. Um, so that, as we realize and, and look at it here through the New Covenant in Jeremiah, is meant to point us to the fact that we can't do this on our own. We can't obey God from our hearts. And so that's the distinctive in this New Covenant, that God takes what we can't do and he does it in, in us in a way that is transformative, mm-hmm. right? So in the Old Covenant... We have to make sacrifices every year for the sins of the people, um, and that's a continual ritual that, that ha- the Day of Atonement, it has to happen every year. But God's pointing to this new reality to say that in this covenant, in this new covenant, where I will provide a once-for-all sacrifice, we'll find out in Hebrews, the really explicit language there, that I will in fact write my law on your heart so that you can obey from the heart and there no longer needs to be a sacrifice for sin um, after Jesus. So that's I think that's the 
probably the biggest distinctive about Jeremiah is this new covenant yeah. and, and that language. At least as it, especially as it's picked up in the New Testament and Absolutely. developed as a way of making sense of what you know what Jesus does in the, the Last Supper, yes. instituting mm-hmm. the new covenant, and then how do we understand that in contrast with the old covenant? Yes. Um, and we could be, I think we could be fair and say, as you're reading through Isaiah, there's beautiful pictures of restoration. But, oh, absolutely. But there's nothing as explicit as, actually, we're going to, there's going to be a whole new arrangement between God and his people. Yeah. I think that, I think, as I think about it, I'm thinking about this right now, like it's, I think what's also unique is that Isaiah is sort of more of a, um, not that Jeremiah is not, but maybe his emphasis uh, with the restoration language is more broadly focused, it's more, right? It's more, even more cosmic. It's more cosmic in nature, right? And Jeremiah is getting to the epicenter of the problem of evil, and mm-hmm. that's the sin in our hearts, right, that keeps us from being able to obey God's law. Yeah. And so it's uh, from the, not to coin a... a make a cheesy coin on a (laughs) worship song, but it's Mm -hmm. from the inside out, right? That God transforms the heart and therefore brings about this new covenant where there will be this cosmic restoration, right? As Isaiah puts it for us. Yeah. And that's, that's maybe a good segue into the, the other thing that's more distinctive with Jeremiah is it's, it's it's more existential. I think mm-hmm. I, I remembered like that's part of why you you wanted to be on this one. You wanted yes, to be on Lamentations. That's right. There's just a little more emotional gravity to yeah. what Jeremiah is, is experiencing because we mm-hmm. actually get his. We don't just get his reporting of siege of Jerusalem and destruction, deportation. We we get his right. heart and his experience of it. Yes, more so than with some of the other prophets. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's unique to Jeremiah. There's a reason he's called the weeping prophet, mm-hmm. right? And that's that we get the confessions. He's uh, he he is a priest, so his literal job is mediatorial in nature. But his calling uh, as a prophet also um, becomes this very, as you said, existential. Uh, mediatorial relationship between God and the people and the people to God in such a way that he begins to feel the weight of judgment coming from God's perspective towards the people before um, it comes. And then he also feels uh, the weight of the sin uh, of Israel before that, before judgment comes upon that. And this, this I think too, there's this longing for repentance within him when he feels the weight of that sin. And so he feels these things before they take place sort of in this mediatorial uh, relationship that he has in in a prophetic way, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the prophecies coming in his words, but in this this very unique existential way, he feels what's coming before it happens. And that's kind of what you get in his some of his confessions and some of the the, the descriptions of uh, his expressions as he experiences the judgment that's coming, as he is experiencing the weight of the sin of the people of Israel. Mm. Um, so that's very unique to Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we've got that. And then is maybe even an extension of that, the, the third thing that we could talk about that's uh, a little more unique to Jeremiah is he is the, he starts developing a theme that then gets picked up on and even uh, heightened by other prophets of Israel's sin and their lack of faithfulness to the covenant is mm-hmm. essentially spiritual adultery. Absolutely. 
And, and so, it's much more explicit in Jeremiah uh, and more developed than we get in Isaiah. Not that we don't get the adulterous language, but... Yeah. Jer- Jeremiah raises the bar. Ezekiel raises, raises it even higher in some yep. regards. But yeah, we uh, listeners today, if you're, if you're reading our CBR plan, um, would have read Jeremiah chapter 2, and that's kind of where it first shows up and just sort of... Um, Verse 20, long ago Mm -hmm. I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree you bowed down like a whore. Great devotional reading for your your, your your morning CBR plan. Yeah. Uh, good family devotional too. <laughs> right, right. Um, but there's something, it's supposed to be shocking that yeah. he's in, you know, a few verses later, they're compared to a wild donkey in heat. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's offensive, it's shocking, but it's because their senses have grown so dull that just being told they're unfaithful to the covenant is, mm-hmm. just falls on deaf ears. And so he yeah. is using these graphic word pictures to jar them into repentance, yes. hoping that it will avert the coming judgment. Right. And that's uh, th- that's a great point that you make and that you bring up is that the, the shock value of the language, the purpose of that is meant to lead the people back to repentance. It's meant to say, this is the truth, right? This is the unfiltered truth. I uh, saved you. I brought you out of Egypt. I gave you my law. I gave you the promised land. And here is what you have done. You have whored yourself out to other nations and to other gods. And here, and that's the truth. Here it is, unfiltered. Mm-hmm. But it's because I love you, my people, that I'm giving you the unfiltered truth, right? We don't do that to people we don't love, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, like if we, we're being honest. Yeah, and you know? it, it reminds me of the the thing we we say from time to time: that the opposite of love is not hate; it's indifference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard to yeah. it's hard to truly hate unless there's some kind of core of attachment or this feeling of desire in one way. If you right. just don't care at all, that's worse. Yes, yes. We we only and and we don't always. I would say a lot of the time, actually, maybe we don't do this in a tone of love and a spirit of love, but mm-hmm. when we we only tell the unfiltered truth to people that we love and care about, right? Yeah. Uh, it's because we love and care for them. Like a friend who may be struggling with alcohol, I'm not going to like, if I actually love and care about them, I'm going to say like, this is bad for you. Stop doing this. Like, mm-hmm. Don't do this, you know? Um and so God is giving them the unfiltered truth, and he's saying, this is what's happening. This is the reality. Repent. Come back. Judgment is coming. So, yeah. yeah. So that, that'll be good to keep in mind that he's, Jeremiah is not just being shocking to be shocking. He's no. trying to shock them into repentance. And yes. At the same time, it's also important to remember, uh, listeners can uh, listen to a different episode that I recorded with Mike Allen where we talk about Jeremiah's call. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some really helpful things in there about Jeremiah is not just saying what he feels like saying. He's not even actually initially interested in saying anything. He's pulls the card that Moses plays of, I'm not a good public speaker. I can't be a prophet. Mm-hmm. And then God just tells him in Jeremiah 1 and his call that he will give him the words to say. So it's mm-hmm. it's not that Jeremiah is going off on a tangent or he's trying to make things weird. It's that he's just trying to be faithful to the calling he's received to speak the truth in love. And that's mm-hmm. truth and love. It's not just one or the other. And so he's following, he's being God's mouthpiece. He's being God's covenant lawyer. He is 
trying to fulfill his calling and you're getting a much more personal perspective on what that's like Mm -hmm. in Jeremiah. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I I mean, obviously is my bent as a four, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. wanting to come on for this. Um, that's, that's a big part of the reason, but I think that, um, that, that can be one of the things that helps draw us in as you're kind of reading through these judgment after judgment chapter, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get these interspersed little sections of Jeremiah's like heart and his confessions and just the reality of what it would be like to be a prophet called at the time he was called and in the time and place in which he was called. Yeah. Having to live through it too, not just, you know, having to pronounce all of this doom and gloom, um, uh, but actually having to, you know, uh, live through it as well and watch his prophecies come to pass. Yeah. I think too, um, we could segue into, uh, a, a minor point about, um, one of the, one of the challenges Jeremiah had to go through was the fact that he had to combat all of these false prophets who were constantly, that's mm-hmm. another theme in Jeremiah that you're going to see a lot of, uh, false prophets constantly telling the people, everything's fine. We're good. Um, yeah, look around you. Everything's yeah, everything's look, we're fine. great. Yeah, yeah. the blessing, uh, God's blessing us. Like this is great, and so Jeremiah had to fight so on so many fronts, from without and from within, um, in his in the delivery of his message and his prophecies. So I think just briefly wanted to highlight that. Yeah, too. that's a good point. Yeah. So why don't we let's do this? Let's leave listeners with kind of a 30,000 foot overview of just here's kind of structurally what to expect with Jeremiah. Um, you're going to feel some deja vu because it's similar to Isaiah, but it's also, as we've pointed out, got some new distinctives, but just, yeah, just give a big picture. What are our, what are our sections or our segments look like? Yeah. So we can kind of split the book up into three parts. Um, in chapters, uh, you get his call in chapter one, but then in chapters two through twenty-four, um, you're getting all of the the judgment language, um, but specifically judgment on Israel. Mm-hmm. And again, in the sort of the early part of the book, you're going to see this desperate pleading from Jeremiah uh, to the to the people in the prophecies, like repent, like return and repent, even up to the very last minute. Um, and, uh, they don't. And so then when we get to chapter 25, this is it. The, the last opportunity to repent has passed. God's judgment is sure now it's coming and we're going to be exiled for 70 years. Um, the last curse of the covenant, as we talked about, be good for listeners, readers to go back to the latter chapters of Deuteronomy, just to read um, the covenant blessings and curses again as you go through Jeremiah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, It's not new. It's it's not like a new thing is being brought up. Yes. This is exactly what God said would happen if they were disobedient. Exactly. And so the last curse of the covenant is being invoked, and that's the loss of the promised land. And so they're exiled. um, But then right smack sort of in the middle, you get these chapters of hope chapters 30 through 33, um, and as we mentioned earlier, the new covenant. Uh, But then after that, you have this section, after the fall of Jerusalem, you have this section that we mentioned earlier about the judgment against the other nations um, that we mentioned was interesting because it's not as if 
Jeremiah is going to these other nations to prophesy against them. Mm-hmm. It's prophecies made in Israel against these other nations. And that's highlighting, again, as we mentioned, God's promises to to judge whoever harms Abraham, right? And, um, and also to reinforce his character as a holy God, as we said, just in general against evil and barbaric murder of God's image, um, image bearers and, yeah. and, uh, and the enslaving of other nations. So, but it also ends with this in chapter 52, this really interesting little postscript where the Davidic king who is in, um, captivity gets released by King Cyrus and is allowed to eat at the king's table. And that's how the book ends. And so there's this line uh, of, of hope that's brought back up again, even at the very end of the book, to say God is faithful to his covenant, to Abraham and to David, um, that he will do what he said he's going to do in chapter 31, continuing this story uh, that he will, in fact, write his law in our hearts. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get all of that explicitly in the New Testament, but it's yeah. a great a uh, great line of hope to, that he ends with. Yeah, I was just so. I was I was looking at 52 and it's like even the chapter as a whole it's like fall of Jerusalem recounted, temple burned, people exiled and then just the very last little section. Oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. kings released from prison, yep. allowed to dine at the king's table, given an allowance, daily needs, yep, till he died. The end. That's it. Question mark. Like, <laughs> like, That's it. Okay, something's going to come of that, but yeah, we don't really know. Yeah, yep. We d- we don't know, but it's uh, the fact that it's it's a king of the line of David mm-hmm. ought to. Oh, wait a minute. God's still doing something. He's he's still remaining faithful to the Davidic covenant. There's the hope is not gone. Right mm-hmm. it, where the, it w- we would expect us to lose all hope. Right. I think that's why this is here. Yeah. Right. We're in exile. It seems like God has completely abandoned us. Right. Nope, not true. Yeah. So. And, yeah. you know, is we would maybe wish if we're just readers of the Old Testament that, oh, this, you know, this note of hope is going to get circled back to. And it's like, well, each of the prophets still just end with different notes of hope, but they're hope unfulfilled. And it's really mm-hmm. setting us up for the continuation of the story in the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Josh, it was a pleasure talking about Jeremiah. You too. Two episodes in a row. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to let real quick before we end, uh, because I think we did this at the end of the first one too, when we had our first take, but I wanted to mention, uh, along with that line of hope, sort of that thinking, um, I think as we read Jeremiah, we could get stuck in this, we're reading chapter after chapter of judgment and we can, uh, we could begin to feel like, oh man, God is harsh you know, or um, God seems really impatient. Uh, but if we think about all that we read in Isaiah and we think about mm, all yeah. of, all that we read in the historical books and in Kings where all of these events are, are recounted, we actually see God's character as continual, as faithful, as slow to anger mm-hmm. and abounding in steadfast love. Um 
kind and gracious, right? Sending profit after profit. Sending it's profit not just at the first sign profit. of disobedience. Yeah, that... judge after judge, king after king. And uh, they continue to, to fall into this pattern of idolatry. Um, and he is patient and kind and slow to anger uh, to release his, his judgment. So I think we just need to remember that as we're yeah. reading through all of these judgment chapters. Yeah, <laughs> like we can remember where we are in the story, what's come yeah. before, what lays ahead, and it'll help us focus in on the day-to-day as we're working through Jeremiah for the next couple months. Yeah, so, good stuff. It's a great postscript there. Uh, yes. As always, it was a pleasure. Yeah. And I look forward to Lamentations in a few months. That's right. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>